Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the 49ers Focus Podcast. I am your host, Forge, and with me, back from a little break <laughs> where I missed you last weekend, buddy, is my co-host, N. Farrell. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, Forge. It feels great to be back in the win column. Big win, obviously, against the divisional opponent. Always feels good. Does this win change anything for you as far as what's going to happen in the future, or what, what were your thoughts on the game? Probably not. I mean, to be perfectly honest, um, I, it's just one game. It just it, for me, the sample size doesn't mean anything. It, games like this happen. The NFL changes pretty wildly on a week to week basis, and I don't know that this really means anything in the, the, the grand scheme of things. I am surprised by the victory. Yeah, you know, as a fan, I still think that the loss probably isn't the better interest. But I'll never be upset with a win over. As Dan Stubblefield once said, the same old sorry Rams, sorry ass Rams, I guess he said, actually. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is also the same team that lost to the Eagles, got drummed pretty good by the by the Dolphins. I don't know. I mean, I could see this team winning several more games. I could also see us getting beat down by Buffalo and losing to Washington with that defense, especially if Nick Mullins is still the quarterback. So the highs and lows are pretty wild here with Mullins at the helm. So I think a lot of it's going to depend on on Jimmy Garoppolo. It, it does put some interest back into the rest of the season. Like, you know, with this, we we had kind of turned the page, right? You and I, we, we were looking at players individually and, and kind of seeing what we would be looking at moving forward into next season. But the truth is we're only, what, I think a game out of the final playoff spot at this point. We had a big loss from, from Arizona. So it's definitely a possibility that we could sneak into the playoff race. How about you? I mean, are you buying into this team as being a potential playoff contender here that they could steal the spot after all the injuries? Can't help myself but to feel that way as just someone who is a big fan of this team, obviously. And we've had so many rough seasons that I was kind of lamenting the fact that we were talking so much about the draft. But you're right, you and I had sort of turned the page a little bit here just because felt like this year was a little bit of a mulligan and the fact that almost everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. And so I think that getting back into the win column is important, I think, for the psyche of the team. I think that we have a lot of veterans that we may try to bring back. And I feel like this may help us re-signing guys like Trent Williams. I don't really know if that's the case necessarily, but I think that you can kind of sell them on, look, despite everything that happened, we still went out there and we still beat playoff team. Uh, in their own house. So we can't help but kind of get a little bit excited, kind of control our own destiny a little bit. But it was definitely an exciting game to to watch. I think kind of epitomized our season as far as started off really strong, was feeling really confident, was thinking we were going to win. All of a sudden, Rams kind of flipped it on us there. The turnovers kind of got the better of us. And Nick Mullins made a lot of inaccurate throws. You know, the one to Jordan Reed, you could tell he was very upset and did not like the body language from him after that fact. So I think if we can get Garoppolo back, I think that the win kind of pushes maybe some guys that maybe he'll come back a little earlier than if, you know, we would have lost the next couple of games. Maybe he doesn't even come back at all. And I would like another look at Jimmy because I don't think that as of what he's shown, I, I think they know who he is, but I think that what he's shown this year, I don't know how we can really afford to pay him that much money with all the other stuff. We talked about that in, on previous podcasts. And for those of you that haven't listened to it, I'd recommend you go back a couple episodes and kind of hear the deep breakdown on that. But like I said, it's really hard for me not to get excited 
just because it's December and we're one game out of the playoffs with the expanded playoffs. And I think Buffalo is a tough game. Washington's going to be a tough game. But I I don't really like what I've seen from the Cardinals. And I don't really think Minnesota is going to make it. So I think that we're right there. And if we can come out and win a couple of games late, I think we can beat Arizona. I think, honestly, we could beat Seattle. Really do. I think with getting all the guys back that we have, hey, this is entertainment too. And if nothing else, it's going to be an entertaining rest of the season rather than just kind of packing it in mentally as fans. So, you know, it's it's worth noting that Seattle could be playing backups. Yeah, that that could be a situation where they have the division wrapped up and I don't know, maybe they can't win home field and they just pack it in like for that game. They now so that could theoretically be a win. I don't think we're going to beat them starter, you know, starter against starter, but yeah, like if they've got the division wrapped up and their seating is is pretty much set, don't see why we get their starters and it's it's a really interesting thing and and you and I talked about it beforehand. You know, like tanking doesn't exist. It doesn't exist for an NFL coach or an NFL player. They have incentives they want to hit. They need to look good. Tanking is a fan thing. There are basically very extreme situations in which I think tanking is actually acceptable for an NFL team in terms of maybe a game. The the Miles Garrett game, that's an example where I'm almost surprised Jed York wasn't like, hey, you got to lose this game. But the fact that we didn't lose that game kind of tells you all you really need to know about how teams really don't tank at the NFL level. Like it's just not really a thing that they do. It's more of a fan thing. And so even though I, as a fan, look at this and I think for sure that the best situation for us would be to lose, get as high of a pick as possible to either move up or draft a quarterback in that spot. I can't expect that the team is going to want to do that. And they have always played hard for Shanahan that that first year where we lost like four straight games or five straight games by like three points or less. It was the first time in history it had been done. This team has always, always played very hard for Shanahan. And I don't expect that to go anywhere the rest of this season. So we're going to fight for every game for sure. I would never expect the team to pack it in under any circumstance. I mean, Kyle's made it abundantly clear that he wants to compete. And I feel like that's a big reason why we didn't really sell off at the trade deadline, which again, you and I have talked about previous podcasts, but it just is one of those things that it feels good to beat up on a division rival. And I think that uh, Monday night game coming up, I think that this team has played pretty well in primetime, excluding this last Packer game. Obviously, that was a set of extenuating circumstances there. But I think that it's exciting. We've got some young guys that are getting their reps in. It was great to see Debo back on the field. It was really a breath of fresh air. And Mostert, I thought had a really good game as well outside of the fumble. And it seems like the running game was really working. And honestly, if if Nick Mullins wasn't our quarterback in this game, if we had just somebody average, I feel like we would have won it going away. So I think that ultimately you want to see consistency from these guys. You want to see sharp football and we may be losing some coaches down the road too. So it's kind of maybe their last hurrah as a team. And think I'm ready to go down guns blazing. And it kind of was a little bit of a game changer for me. Cause like I said, I can't help but get a little bit excited knowing that possibilities out there to kind of sneak in and Hey, if we get some cancellation of some games and they add an eighth playoff spot, then right there as well with that. So forgotten about that. That's a good point because that, that is actually a thing. I mean, given the outbreaks that are happening, that might happen. The NFL is clearly doing everything in their power to avoid such a scenario, 
But yeah, for sure, that is a reasonable thing to consider when you're when you're looking at possibly making the playoffs. I mean, you know, it, it does become interesting once you get to the playoffs because, you know, at that point you you probably get Kittle back and you have Jimmy Garoppolo back. I mean, I still don't view us in the spectrum of being able to compete because without that pass rush, without Nick Bosa, I think just you're not going to be able to finish it. But we could make life miserable for a team or two. Uh, absolutely. And I wouldn't be surprised if we had won a playoff game if we made it. So uh, I do think that's something that this team is trying to push toward. I mean, like I said, is it in the best interest? I don't know. I mean, at this point with where we're picking, if we assume that we're picking like in the middle of the round, there's a good chance that we can't go up and get our quarterback anyway. And that this really doesn't change anything. Like maybe we're still grabbing a guy like Mac Jones or Kyle Trask in the second round. I absolutely could see that regardless of whether or not we finish out the season with nothing but losses or if we make the playoffs, like I, I could absolutely see that either way. And for me, I can't say anything really about how I feel from this, from this game. It, it's, it's a single game. I think in order to have a realistic shot, we need to win two out of the next three, which is entirely possible. So it's, it's one of those scenarios where like, let's get back to it in, in three, in three weeks for me, because the fact of the matter is, you know, if we go 0 and 3, we have no shot in these games. And that's not, if Nick Mullins is our quarterback, that is not at all impossible. But if we go 2 and 1, we're at 500 with two games left. And as we said, you could have Seattle sitting their starters or sitting certain people. And you have a matchup against Arizona, who it's always, you know, very much like we are for the Rams right now. They are our kryptonite and they are a pain for us. And so I don't love that matchup, but it's definitely a game that we can still win. I don't think that they're going to run away with it. So I think it, it's a fairly even matchup, even missing some of the pieces we're missing. So it's going to be a really fascinating rest of the season. Really nice job so far by by Kyle to just sort of using duct tape and glue and not even the good glue. It's like the Elmer's glue and gum and thumbtacks and whatever he can to piece this together. They're, they're, the coaching staff, is they're, they're knocking it out of the park. And Robert Sala, man, just phenomenal right now. I had mentioned on the last pod, uh, the mailbag episode, listen to it if you guys haven't. I don't think he gets a job, but only because I feel like teams are and, and owners and managing guys, I feel like they're afraid of defensive guys to, a, to an extent. I, I feel like offensive guys always get the preference. So maybe if a lot of the offensive guys are gone. Like if there's seven job openings, I think he's only a realistic candidate for like two or three because everybody wants offense, but he deserves it, man. He's doing awesome. He's great. He's always been the type of guy you just looked at and listened to and thought he would be a good head coach. But what he has done this year has been phenomenal. These last two games, even though we lost the saints game and then this game, once again, just putting the screws to, to golf and making him look bad. He's just done a bang-up job, and, and full credit to him. He's just, with this talent, this is the most impressive coaching job I've seen from him during his entire tenure with us. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's really nice to come out of a bye and just, you know, against a team that everyone else kind of assumes that always has a coaching advantage against every team they play. But for us to have the coaching advantage, I think it really put us in that upper echelon of where we need to be. And I feel like that's one of the reasons why I think we can make a run, despite the shortcomings as far as edge rush goes. The interior of our D-line is phenomenal. I mean, we really are deep there. Givens had an, an amazing game on Sunday, and you felt like uh, Kinlaw has been getting better and better. He didn't play a lot this week coming off the COVID list. I think his coaching and Kyle's coaching, I feel like every single week we're going to show up and we're going to have a good plan 
And I feel like that's part of the reason why I feel like we can beat anybody. I think Sala, maybe he gets snubbed one more time. As far as uh, head coaching jobs go, he is a guy that you want to listen to. Guys obviously respect him and follow him. And he seems to really know his X's and O's too, which motivates his players and is, you know, very sound schematically is not always a combination you find out there. So we'll be interesting to see where he lands. I will say that I'm, I'm really rooting for him this year. Like last year, I didn't much care. And I, I don't know why, like I've never been a huge Salah guy. Like I, 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 did, I wasn't ready to give up on him after the first couple of years because I thought we lacked talent, but I didn't want to give him all the credit last year because we had so much talent. So it was one of those weird things where I was trying to find this like this middle ground with him, and I never really could. And I, I've always liked listening to him, and I, I just as a coach, like I could see how he would make me want to like run through a brick wall. But with the with the job he's doing this year, he's always been very personable and very likable. I'm really rooting for him to to get a job this year. And I, I think he deserves it. I mean, I think this is bar none, best job he's ever done. He's only honestly, he's only gotten better since he's been here, I think. I, I think you have to at some point give credit where credit's due. And I, I just think there's only so much you can do before you have to take that next step in terms of your career. And I think he's at that point. I think he's shown now how good he can be at this job. And I, I think he's 100% earned his job. And like you said, I, I don't, I don't know that it happens. Like I just think he's defensive guys are stuck behind the eight ball. So often they are, they are starting from behind. They're always in the back of the field. I, I feel like, so I'm really just hoping that, that somebody will take a chance and realize that you don't always have to be that guy. I know that it can cause some, some instability, you know, because you get nervous that they're going to lose their offense quarter coordinator. You have to install a new offense and all that good stuff. But I'm really hoping somebody will take the chance on him and give him that opportunity because I think he's really deserved it. And I would be very happy if he got it for him. So I, I do think that should he go, it, it does open up an interesting conundrum for us in terms of who we would want to promote. Now, I think Jay and myself are both in favor of, of promoting D'Amico Ryans as the, the next DC. Do you have a preference? I mean, there are a lot of guys out there, you know, like we could go with Kosurik as the defensive line coach. You've got guys like Chris Richard out there, Gus Bradley, uh, Dan Quinn, and Gus Bradley, I guess. I, I'm assuming that that whole staff in the Charger land is gone. <laughs> because Anthony Lynn is really bad head coach. But there's a lot of guys out there and a lot of guys who are familiar with the scheme that we are associated with, even though Salah has gotten far more away from it than people realize. But do you have a preference? Not necessarily. I mean, I know that uh, D'Amico Ryans, I think we're kind of prepping for this. I think Kyle kind of expects Salah to be gone. If not this year, then definitely the following year. So I feel like we have been training his replacement you know, on the backside, but, you know, I don't really know who that is. It's really tough to say when it comes to defensive coaching, how much of coaching really changes things. It's a lot harder to discern between good offensive coaching and good defensive coaching sometimes because it really is um, such a fluid thing. You you have to be so reactionary. It's it's really hard, but kind of a dark horse name, Vic Fangio for me, I feel like is a, is a guy that Denver moves on, which they probably won't, but if they do, I feel like that would be good match here uh, based on players we have and everything. I feel like it would be a really good fit for us. But as far as who I'm hoping, it's I don't really have anybody specifically, but I, I feel like any coach out there would want this job. And I don't necessarily want to promote Kosarek because I want to keep him and I don't want 
him to not do well as a DC and then have to get rid of him. I feel like he's probably pretty content just doing the D line, especially with the D line that we have. But I feel like it's, it's the Tom Sula problem. It's the same thing we had with Tom Sula. Like they, they are really good at their jobs. I, Cause I was thinking the same thing. That's why I didn't say Kosirik. I want to keep him on the D line. Yeah, definitely. And it's, you know, one of those unfortunate situations where you promote a guy only to lose him and then, you know, you kind of lost him. But I think Kosarek, I think he's pretty happy with where he is. And I feel like the defensive lineman that we have, I feel like he really likes working with them and just keep drafting him too. So I feel like a guy like Kinlaw, he's going to want to stick around and kind of develop Kinlaw. So not really worried about that. And that's one reason why maybe continuity will be welcome thing for us because D'Amico Ryan's, I remember him as a player. He was a heady player. I mean, he was a good athlete, but he was really great at diagnosing plays. That was really one of the main reasons why he was as good as he was. And he was a guy that stepped on the field and was instantly bona fide top 15, 20 type linebacker. So from his rookie year on, he just always produced. So I feel like that kind of guy is a guy you maybe live with some growing pains. And I'm absolutely would be on board with that if that was the decision. It's definitely important to note that his job currently is vastly different than the job he would have. And we never know how that's going to pan out. Now, I am a fan of developing these guys and then moving them into bigger roles, you know, as promotions and things like that. So that's one of the reasons that he is going to be my favorite for that role if we lose Salah because we've had him from basically the start and kind of groomed him, as you said, that we've kind of groomed him for this transition if it, if it should come. And just some of the things that, that he's done, I mean, you can kind of look around, obviously, is that he's helped develop Fred Warner. He's helped develop Dre Greenlaw. Hell, he actually found Dre Greenlaw for us in that draft. So he's had some success. Now, I that success doesn't necessarily correlate to being a good DC, which is a vastly different job. You know, the same way a coordinator and a head coaching job are not the same, but he's, he's done well in his current job. We we've had nothing but success with him. I, I would like to see him just because I am a fan of that kind of grooming and developing guys, both as players and coaches. I think that's important. And I do want to kind of cut back to what you said about Kosurik and you know, he's also done a tremendous job of developing guys. You know, just look at a guy like Gibbons, two years, and he was phenomenal. I, he blew up the Rams offensive line multiple times. And for most of the season, he's been one of the league's best in terms of win rate on rushing downs. So basically against the run, he's just been phenomenal. Like he's just beating beating offensive linemen left and right. I mean, I thought he flashed more in this game, even though it wasn't always necessarily as a pass rusher, but I, he could just see him constantly in, in the backfield. And I don't know if he's ever going to be an excellent pass rusher, but I thought he flashed more than I've ever seen Solomon Thomas flash for this team in a single game. And just moving forward, I, I think he's going to be an excellent rotational piece. You know, I've been a huge DJ Jones fan. I've been really advocating on the forum to sign him last year, thinking that he was going to kind of blow up this year. But I think Givens has kind of outplayed him in a lot of ways. And Givens, honestly, he had some very Aaron Donald-esque type plays where he just timed the snap count, had tremendous jump, utilized quickness, got a jump on the on the guard or the center and just kind of use the strength to kind of get underneath and get that good leverage and just pile drive back or kind of shoot the gaps a little bit. It was, it was excellent to see. And, you know, we just really wreaked havoc on their whole line and Goff, I think is a little bit intimidated by us because he kind of knows that he's going to get pressured and uh, he's going to 
not have guys wide open because we're going to play tight man coverage across the board. So it's just kind of one of those things. I think we're in Goff's head, and I think Givens was a, a big part of that uh, on Sunday. So I think there's a lot to look forward to as far as what this D-line is going to do, but I really wish that we would have added more defensive ends. If we just had that one pass rusher on the edge, I feel like this would be a completely different outlook that people like you and me would have on this year because that's really the one thing. I mean, Nick Bosa is really the one guy that we really haven't been able to replace his production. I mean, Kerry Hyder has been phenomenal, but without Nick Bosa, we don't really have that elite, elite pass rush that we had last year. And it kind of forces Armstead to rush from the outside a little bit more. I don't think he's being utilized the right way. So it kind of has domino effect on the rest of the defense. But despite all of that, we have Salah has done a good job of dialing up the blitzes. Taylor was doing a decent job of it. And so we think that we have been able to manufacture it with some stunts and things like that. But it's for the most part, that's been our Achilles heel. But at least we have really good coverage, especially with Tarverius back there with Ward. I think coverage on the back end is really good. So corners have been excellent. And so obviously our linebackers are good in that spot. I think the defense overall may not be able to beat some of the elite teams out there, but I feel like we're probably a little bit better than maybe our record would suggest simply because we haven't gotten the production out of the quarterback that we've needed. So I'm with you. I think if we still manage to field a team that had Hyder, Blair, and Ford, I think we could probably find a competent pass rush to go along with the guys that we, we also have now, but we don't. And that's what sucks. And I, that would just be our undoing in any game. I think uh, eventually is that we're just not going to be able to put any pressure in, you know, when you start playing better quarterbacks, that becomes a major issue. Drew Brees has no arm strength, but you give him eight minutes in, <laughs> in the pocket, and he's going to find someone to, to throw the ball to. And I think that's where it just becomes a problem for me is that because we don't have that pass rush, we're not getting D Ford back this year. We're not getting Ronald Blair back this year. We're basically dependent on these blitzes. And, you know, we just lost Taylor who had been doing a pretty respectable job in terms of uh, blitzing from the slot position. We do get Quan Williams back. So, you know, that's going to even out, but it's just one of those things that is unfortunate. Like we just, we are missing that key component and it's such, such an important thing to have to win games and we don't have it. And I think that just sinks you in the meantime, we're doing the best we can. And it's, it's been, it was, it was good in this game and I, I think I'm with you on DJ Jones. I, I think his time as a Niner is running out, even though we all love him. I think that you're going to see a little bit more Dorian Daniels as we go along. And I think the idea would be most likely that you'll, you know, in the future, you'll see a rotation of like Ken Law and Daniels as a one tech sometimes. And on the interior, you also throw in someone like Givens and you'll have Armstead and even guys like Blair, if he comes back. And I think he will be back, but I think, you know, these, these guys will, will kind of round out the rotation on the inside. Hell, maybe even a Willie Henry, he got in a couple of snaps during the game. But I do think we are counting down his, his last games, and we'll get into that more, obviously, when we get into the defensive line. But at least we're getting some time to evaluate these guys. And, and like I said, I mean, Givens was super impressive. That was, you know, he played two-thirds of the snaps. I believe he played maybe the most steps on the defensive line. I guess Armstead played a couple more, but only legitimately two more. So, you know, I think that's a big showing for him and for the coaching staff to say how much they trust him. So I'm really liking what I see there. And, and that's what we talked about earlier when this 
when we started questioning whether or not we were going we were going to win this year was that we wanted to see the development and the player evaluation. And it starts right there. I think Givens looks like he's a legitimate, a legitimate player. I mean, he might not be great, but he looks like he's a, he's going to be a good rotational piece. I think Jeff Wilson, he came out and had some nice burst. And we had that question on the pod about whether or not he was that guy that we could put with Mostert and compliment him. And I know he had the fumble, but a couple of times he just flashed that burst. And I thought, yeah, this is a guy who can who can be a competent running back and he can play 30% of the snaps as a compliment to to Mostert. And so this is really like even if we don't get back in, I think these are very promising signs. One of the things I like about Jeff Wilson Jr. is that he's not one-dimensional. He's not a guy that only can run the ball. He can catch passes as well. And I think that he can develop a little bit more as a pass blocker, which I feel like is something that's needed. But I mean, Mostert did a pretty good job of that on Sunday as well. He had the vision that it seems like McKinnon does not have to pick up blitzes. But I I agree with you. I think I said it on that pod that I thought Jeff Wilson Jr. was a good compliment to Mostert because they have similar styles, but they're different enough where it's kind of a different look and that both of them can kind of do some different things. So I think that this was a, a good sort of sigh of relief for me because it just had things have been going so poorly, as you mentioned, you know, it was our first win in a month and that's obviously can be, can wear on guys. And obviously it was nice to see them show up with all the uncertainty as far as where games are going to be held. And the fact that these guys were able to kind of put that to the side, go out, play a really tough game, look sharp mentally. Yes, there were some mistakes from a few key guys. The turnovers really was what kept the Rams in the game, but I think that was that was an important showing for me. And I think it, it just speaks to the character and sort of the process of the team building that we've gone through. I think we've we've all seen so many GMs around here that kind of promise things about the culture and how they're going to win. And, oh, Jed York, we're going to win with class and all those sort of things. But it just kind of carries a little bit of a different weight when uh, John Lynch says it. And I feel like this they've done a good job of, of building the culture. And you know, I think the culture is something we can kind of sell guys on because there's no quit on this team for sure. <laughs> and speaking of no quit, it was nice to see Debo back. That helped. <laughs> Career high, I believe, in terms of what he did. He had 11 catches, 133 yards, just a beast of a game. I have no idea how the Rams can't prep for that, the, the little shovel end around. It's really, I guess, a thing we talked about it the last time where they just don't have linebackers, man. One of the things I think that really gives Goff problems is the speed of the linebackers underneath when he plays them. And I think that's where, and I'm not a guy, I've mentioned it before, I'm not a guy who's paying will linebackers or these fast athletic dudes because I think the college game is is pumping them out. But they're definitely still pretty valuable. And I think you're seeing it in a game like this where they can't move sideline to sideline. Our blocks are already in place our offensive line and our receivers get into the space and the spots they need to be to put in their blocks. And the, the Rams linebackers can't beat us to, to those areas. And that's why you see these, these little shovel passes or and end rounds to Debo going for 20 to 30 yards, because by the time they acknowledge it, what's happening, you know, we're already in place and they're not fast enough to beat us there. And then the fact that Shani supplements this with, Every once in a while, he'll actually hand it off to Mostert and do like an off-tackle run the opposite direction. Keeps them honest. So they have to wait to see if that's really how it plays out. It's a, it's a masterful, masterful bit of scheming. And I, 
I don't remember who the first person I saw that was. That might have been Andy Reid who who started creating that. But we are using it to great effect with with Debo, who once again just ripped up the Rams on those on those plays. Yeah, it was awesome to see him back. He must be so intimidating for corners and safeties to be watching on film because he just punishes people. I've, I don't know if I've really ever seen him go out of bounds without laying a lick on somebody. I mean, he just is really, really physical. He might as well be a running back. And he's faster than people give him credit for. There was a few times where it looked like maybe there wasn't quite the lane for him and he just exploded through it. He is really fast. I don't think people really give him that that enough credit for that part of his game because everybody sees the physicality. And I think Jalen Ramsey only played 60% of the snaps for the Rams. And there was some questions after the game. Well, why was he out of the game? And they had said pregame warmups, he had a little bit of a hip issue. And I feel like the game plan that we had kind of took him out of the game a little bit. You know, we moved Debo around, but I think maybe he just saw Debo warming up on the other side of the field and said, you know what, I don't really feel like playing 100% of the snaps today because I don't want to get get pushed bullied a little bit. I mean, Ramsey's obviously a physical guy. He's, you know, one of the best corners in the league. I don't mean to talk smack on him like that, but I think that I think it is very intimidating to have Debo. Something about the way that those plays get run. I think that you're right about those sort of counters that we'll have up the middle. I think that a lot of the, I've heard Kittle kind of spill the beans a couple of times in interviews about they do some option blocks where, hey, if the defender goes out, I'll block him out and you go get this guy and you block him in. And I think that that is part of the run game for us is sort of the flexibility on the fly. And I feel like that's maybe one of the reasons why Mostert is so good at it because he you know, has excellent vision and anticipation and that some of these plays are designed to go up the middle. But I feel like He's excellent at finding that lane and knowing when to go to the outside and when to cut it up. And I think that the O-line kind of works in unison as far as sort of figuring out the way that the defense is lined up, whether that play is going to go to the inside or the outside. And I, I don't necessarily think that all of them are specific run calls for that. I think that they that's one of the best parts of the scheme is the option routes and the option blocking that happen. I think that phenomenal to see those two guys back. And I think we're going to get Ayuk back next week, hopefully, and uh, for Monday night. And I think uh, there is talk of Kittle coming back at some point. So I think if we can get all of our guys back healthy, you know, this team can play with anybody. And it's uh, one of those things that 49er football just got a little bit more exciting after this win. Yeah, and he, I like that you're bringing up Ramsey, and and that's one of the the strengths to to Kyle as a as a schemer and a, and a play caller. And he's got a little of the Bill Belichick in him. And I had mentioned a comment during the the game day thread where I just I, I, and I had said it once they traded for Ramsey too. It's like as a Niners fan, like it just didn't bother me. I get that the improvement he gives them on a game to game basis outside of the Niners. Like he's going to make them better against other people. He just doesn't worry me at all because in the end, Shani's just going to take him out of the equation. So great example of this is the, we were down by three in the fourth quarter. It was about, you know, five minutes to go. And what we did was we had Bourne go in motion. And I believe he might've even started out of the backfield. So Bourne went in motion and went in motion towards the flat. Juice check was actually lined up in the slot. And so what happened was, was Bourne went into motion into the flat and he pulled Ramsey up. And Ramsey, of course, left juice check because you don't, you know, you're caught, you're, you're freaking Jalen Ramsey. You don't cover fullbacks. But what happens is, is that 
Juice kind of runs that flare out to the sideline to the area he vacates and Ty Hill has to come all the way over, but he's late getting there and Juice is just wide open. So, I mean, that's just a great play design every single time. Like that's just, I mean, and that's, we just made you cover Kendrick Bourne, who I love Bourne, but he's a wide receiver three. We made you cover him with your best player. And then we just threw it to our fullback. And that's the brilliance of, of Shani and how he can just create such an advantage for us in a lot of ways. And he knows where to attack. You know, like I said, he, he just, he makes those linebackers in Los Angeles move laterally and they can't do it. They can't keep up. And it didn't even help that they were, they were without their best linebackers. So this is a matchup that I think is always just going to plague LA because I think Shani just understands where he's going to go after the Rams defense. And I mean, there's nothing he can do about Donald. That's just a freak. But meanwhile, our defense also really attacks the the weaknesses of Goff. So McVay's a little bit more hamstrung. And that's why we see so many bad games from Goff. Like out of the last four games, Goff has been really bad in three of them against us. And so I think that right now, it just generally the matchup favors us because we have Shani who can attack their weaknesses. And I don't know that the Rams have an ability to attack ours because our defense matches up well. And then he gets hamstrung by what golf is able and unable to do. Yeah. And I, I would actually argue that he was bad for three and a half of them. I mean, really the second game last year, they were really killing us on the bootleg because, you know, we were having our ends kind of crash down on the play fake. And the second half we came out and our ends were keeping contain. And as soon as we did that, golf is a guy that, when you pressure him, when you think that anytime he has to move off of his spot, everything goes out the window. And I think the game really speeds up for him. And I think that that is one of the things that I'm saying about just the intimidation factor. I feel like we're kind of in their heads. It's like Kyle is McVeigh's former boss. And I just feel like we have more talent from top to bottom than they do. Maybe they have a couple of guys like Donald and Ramsey that are better than most guys on our team. But for the most part, they have really gone after the star power. I think that the way that they built their team, given the fact that they moved uh, and the LA market, that they kind of wanted to make a splash. And I think that that has kind of hindered them from a team building standpoint a little bit. And they've kind of have some high end players at certain spots and then some you know lower end talent at other areas. And I feel like the talent level from us from top to bottom on our roster is a lot, a lot more consistent. And I think that that really gives us an advantage as well as a schematic advantage. So I mentioned it on the broadcast that they were talking to some Niner players and some players that said, hey, we're just better than them. And we're going to go out and beat them. And that's really what we were doing for three and a half quarters until we kind of let the Rams get back in the game with some turnovers. And then it kind of snowballed on us a little bit. But the fact that we're able to kind of center ourselves and refocus and go out there and kind of put our foot down on defense, it was uh, really it was really great to see. And been a lot of development and I think that this team is going to be battle tested. I mean the schedule that we had, everybody knew it was a tough schedule. We had this brutal stretch of all these playoff teams in a row. Well, we're almost through it really, but and it kind of makes the, you know, you reference that Eagles loss, it kind of makes that one sting a little bit more if we're going to miss the playoffs by one game, but it's uh it's one of those things this team is battle tested. I don't think that there's any scenario out there right now that we can throw at them where they are not going to say, so what, because of everything that's happened to them this year. I mean, it's been kind of crazy. I think uh, we'll just kind of, 
reinforce the culture and reinforce what we really have here. And I, I think that kind of excited to see you know, how we're going to retool, because I do think it's kind of inevitable that next year will be a little bit of a transition year. But I think that if we can just kind of keep laying bricks, brick by brick, that eventually uh, we're going to break through and excited when that when that will happen. So really great to see. I will say that it it would be remiss not to mention Chicago as a potential candidate on that playoff, that final playoff spot, if only because currently they have the same record. They're five and six. But their schedule is just so soft. I mean, they have the Lions this week, the Texans, who just lost Will Fuller, Bradley Roby. Then they have the Vikings, and then they have the Jags. And then they have the Packers, who, like Seattle, may be in a situation where they don't have anything to play for and are resting people. So I don't think that they are ultimately going to win it, but that schedule is so soft. Like, it wouldn't shock me at all if they won four of those games. So – just something to keep in mind. We had talked a little bit about Minnesota. Their schedule is a little bit I, – I don't love their schedule, so I, I'm kind of out. They they have three winnable games against the Jags, Bears, and, and Lions. But they also face the Bucks and Saints, so that's that's not ideal. But, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think this is interesting. And for me, it's all just going to come down to when we get Jimmy back. I'm not his biggest fan, as most people know, but, I mean, there's a vast difference between he and Nick Mullins. And with Jimmy, we're going to – perpetually be a competent playoff team, I would think, for the most part. I don't think we have a, an upper gear without everything breaking right. And he's not a guy that I want to tie myself to. I do think, as I've said many times, I think he's kind of purgatory, but there is a vast difference. And with him, I, I 100% see, you know, if we get him back by the Dallas game, I think that there is a good chance that that we could make the playoffs potentially. So it'll be interesting to see it out. I'm, I'm perfectly happy if I don't want to say perfectly happy, but I, I'm, I'm fine if we can grab a quarterback, if that's the end result of not making the playoffs, uh, because I really want a quarterback this year. But we'll see how it plays out. And, you know, we've got a few more weeks left. It's going to be maybe better because we're playing <laughs> we're playing at Arizona instead of home. So uh, as I've mentioned a couple of times, we are pretty terrible <laughs> at home the last two years. We tend to start slow, struggle. So maybe playing in Arizona will help us. I don't know. But uh, I think that'll cover it for tonight. I know that we had said that we were going to talk about rosters and moving forward, but we we definitely thought this merited some some discussion uh, in terms of what this might mean for the rest of the season. So we will at some point obviously get back to discussing the roster and, and where we see things going moving forward. But uh, we definitely wanted to touch base on this big divisional win and let you guys know our thoughts. Uh, any final words? Not really, other than, you know, I don't really view Chicago as a playoff team just because I feel like they're kind of quitting on their coach, but that's sort of another topic for another time. So that, that, that's valid, though, because they look they look like they're done. They, they look like they're out. They checked out on Nagy and I don't blame them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so no, Akeem Hicks, they just their defense didn't really look the same. And I feel like you can kind of run on them now. So but anyways, I think, you know, I'm excited to see what happens and if nothing else, this has been an entertaining roller coaster ride. Yes, with 2020, I wouldn't expect anything other than complete disaster, while also at the same time, glimmer of hope ultimately to be maybe snuffed out coming weeks. But I'll take it for what it is. It's it's fun. It's enjoyable when they win and crushing when they lose sometimes. But that's uh, the nature of the NFL, and I wouldn't necessarily have it any other way. And I know that you know eventually when we get. When we get there, it's going to be that much more glorious. So go Niners. 
Go Niners. Have a good week, everybody. We will talk to you again soon. Have a good one.